Paul's letter, Paul's letter to Timothy. Let's start from verse 12. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus who while testifying by Pontius Pilate made the good confession. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honour and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Continuing in our series, uh, thinking about what it means to be disciples who've been entrusted with a mission, and that mission is to share the good news and the love of Jesus Christ. Over the last uh, few weeks, we've been setting the scene, as it were. We've been thinking about uh, the why of faith sharing. And we're going to move now in these next uh, five or six weeks onto the how of faith sharing. So we're we're going to change tone a little bit, get a little bit more uh, practical and uh, down to earth. We're going to be thinking, how can we put our faith into action? How can we really make a difference in the lives of those who we know and who we love and those who we don't know? and have not yet had a chance to love? How can we build bridges across which we can share our faith? And so for the next five weeks, we're going to look at five different disciplines. And by discipline, I mean a kind of a habit or a way of living. I don't mean a punishment or or something that is kind of harsh and unyielding, but I mean rather a practice that we need to learn a habit we need to get into, just like a child uh, playing a musical instrument. They have the discipline of music practice. They learn kind of where their fingers go on the flute or, or how their hands go on the piano until it becomes second nature. Discipline I want to think about this morning is the discipline we just had uh, heard of in Paul's letter. And that's the discipline of generosity. He writes to Timothy, I command you, teach those who are rich to be generous. God is generous. Have you ever considered how astoundingly generous the God of the universe is? The one who we've just heard described as the blessed and only ruler, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the one who alone is immortal and lives in unapproachable light. He is generous. He is incredibly generous. 
Think about this world in which he has set us. He could have made just one species of butterfly. He could have made a few of a few different colours. He's created a world in which there are 17,500 species of butterfly. All distinct, all different, no two alike. And those butterflies have 400,000 species of flower to rest upon. There are 33,000 species of fish in the sea, 250 new species discovered each year. There are over 10,000 different breeds of birds in the sky. And that's just our planet. We're in the galaxy known as the Milky Way. And in this Milky Way, there are 100 billion stars. And that's just our galaxy. There are 100 billion galaxies with 100 billion stars. I know it's true because I read it on Google. (laughs) I was actually a bit suspicious. I thought 100 billion stars in 100 billion galaxies... That's, that's too kind of neat uh, to, to, to be true. So I kind of, I dug a bit deeper. I thought, how do they know there's a hundred billion galaxies? And, and this is the answer. Uh, this is a quote. This is from Wikipedia, so you can trust this. <laughs> they know there are a hundred billion galaxies because astronomers have counted the number of galaxies in a particular region and multiplied this up. Okay, so somebody, somewhere counted a bit of galaxies in the universe, and then just kind of multiplied it up. Multiplied it up by how big the universe is wide, how high it is, how deep it is, did the calculation, came up with 100 billion. Imagine this sort of discussion in astronomer school. This guy going, are you sure it's 100 billion? And the other guy, yeah, yeah, give or take a few. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's 100 billion. Let's just say it's a lot. God is a generous God. God is an extravagant God. God is a God who gives. The most famous and most well-known verse in the Bible speaks of God's generosity. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loves so much that he gives his most precious gift. His love caused him to be generous and to give. For God so loved that he gave. You can give without loving. You can give without loving. But you can't love without giving. There's a story told about Alexander the Great the great uh, general, empire builder. He's on one of his campaigns. He was uh, going on the road on his great uh, stallion, had all his soldiers around him. They were traveling along, and there was was a beggar at the side of the road, and the beggar was crying out uh, for arms. And as they passed, Alexander took some gold coins, and he threw them down to the feet of the beggar. And uh, Alexander's uh, kinsmen, his lieutenants, they were shocked at this extravagance, and they protested. One of them said, Sire, copper coins would adequately have met this beggar's need. Why give him gold? Copper would have done. Why gold? 
A few thousand butterflies. Why 17,000? Alexander replied, Copper coins would have met the beggar's needs, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. Gold coins suit Alexander's giving. For God so loved that he gave. We worship and serve and love a generous God. And our lives need to reflect this generosity. And secondly, we're generous because generosity is a sign of the freedom that we have in Christ. It's a sign that his spirit is at work in us. Um, Less than two miles from here, 35 minutes walk, uh, and you're in the middle of Snenton. And there's a place in Snenton called Nottingham Place. It's the birthplace of William Booth. William Booth was uh, brought up in a, a, initially a wealthy family, but then a family that fell on hard times and was poor. Uh, he was apprenticed to a pawnbroker, so he's learning the, uh, the business of buying and selling uh, secondhand goods. And then he was converted to Christ as a young teenager. He became a Methodist lay preacher. Uh, then he became an evangelist, and he's most well known for founding the Salvation Army. Uh, a movement, a charity, a church that has impacted the lives of millions of people in this country and around the world. He was once asked about the secret of his success and about the impact that the Salvation Army was having. We read this, Booth paused and spoke with tearful eyes. I will tell you the secret. God has all there is of me. There have been men with better brains, greater talents, and greater opportunities. But from the day I got a vision of what Jesus could do with the poor of London, I made up my mind that God would have all of William Booth there was. Generosity is a sign that God has all of us that there is. It's impossible for God to have all of you and for you to be stingy with your time or your money. It's impossible for God to have a a hold of your heart, and for your heart to be unmoved at the needs of those around you. Take up your cross daily and follow me, said Jesus. And as we do each seek each day to follow him faithfully, so we'll find that we will change. We will grow into his likeness. The Spirit of God will have a greater freedom in our lives. And he will change us. He will change us to be more open-hearted, more generous, more loving, more kind. We serve a generous God. And generosity is a sign of the generous Spirit at work in our lives. So, practicalities. How do we put this into practice? What difference does this make in our lives? What does it look like to be a generous people, a people of grace? And how can this be a bridge to sharing the good news of Jesus? An onion. Think of your life for a moment as an onion. Some of you are thinking, yep, that's adequate. People get close to me and I make them cry. That's just how it works. 
It's not the illustration. What is an onion? Well, you cut open an onion, you discover it's layers. It's layers upon layers upon layers upon layers. And think of your life as a, a series of layers, a series of kind of concentric circles. People who are close to you, people who are further away. People at the, the circle that is closest to your life and, and then concentric circles uh, moving outwards. If my life is an onion, if my life is layers upon layers upon layers of relationships, it looks like this. Well, at, the, at the heart, uh, there's me and Sally and there's our three children, Ethan, Lily and Aaron. That would be the first, the first layer. And then a bit wider than that, there's, the, there's my best friends. There's the people I'm closest to, the people I, I call when I'm in difficulty, people who call me when they're in difficulty too. And then as we move out another layer, there's those who I work uh, most closely with. There's Claire in the office. There's other clergy in our deanery. Uh, there's Tim, there's Ellen, there's Andy, there's our church wardens. And then there's another layer, there's people I know, there's parents of kids at school, there's the coach of my son's uh, football team, there's a drama teacher that, uh, that teaches Lily, there's that wider kind of group. And then there's that, that kind of outer layer of people I know, but I don't know that well. There's Mark, our next door late, uh, neighbour. Uh, there's the lady in Photo Margot who collects pass, uh, um, parcels for me when the postman uh, finds that we're out. There's that kind of wider group of people I, I kind of know. And then there's the outer layer of people I don't really know at all, but, but life just brings my way and, and we kind of meet each other uh, now and again. Different layers, different circles. What would your onion look like if you had to write down a map or draw a diagram of, of the kind of circles of influence in your life? Who would be in your middle bit? Who would be the next layer out? Who would be the next layer out? And who would be the next layer out? And then think, well, what, what are their needs? What are their hurts? Where are they short? And then think, how can I be generous towards them? How can I address that need? How can I meet that need? How can I show that I care about that concern? How can I offer practical help to that person at a particular time or in a particular place? For those who are close to me, but also those who are a little bit further out, a bit more uh, nearer the edge. How can I be a blessing to those people who actually I don't really know at all, but who I know I can make a difference uh, in their life? I'm going to suggest five ways that you can be generous to the people in the different layers of your life. And if you're thinking, oh my goodness me, he's told us two reasons why we should be generous. Now he's going to give us five reasons how we can be generous. I can't cope with that on a Sunday morning. Don't worry. As I go through these five, one of them might resonate with you. And just stay with that one. Or, or somebody might just come into your mind and you might think, actually, that person, I could help in that way. Then go with that, and that's enough for this morning. Five different ways you can live a generous life. Five different ways you can express uh, the generosity of God in your life, in your circle of influence. First is in practical ways. Buying a small gift, baking a cake, lending a tool, Offering to babysit, decorating a room. Now this might not seem like the most radical evangelistic strategy. And, and that's the point. 
You don't need a special gifting to help people in practical ways. You don't have to feel a special calling. You don't have to have had a great mountaintop experience. You don't need a voice from heaven saying, go to this place and do this. Just look at the needs of the people around you. People who are close to you, the mid-range, the further range. How can you practically make a difference? These simple acts can open up hearts that are closed to the good news of Jesus. The truth is, we're all tempted to live independent lives. We're all tempted to protect our time and our possessions. And so when we come across people who are open-handed and open-hearted, who are generous with what they have and freely give it away, it makes a difference. It looks different. It feels different. It's evidence of the difference that God's love has made in our lives. Who could you help practically? Perhaps in just a small way. Who can you help through words of encouragement? Who can you be uh, generous with, not perhaps with your hands, but with your lips? Who can you speak words of encouragement to? Who can you speak words of blessing over? What does it mean for you to be generous with your words? To honour others, to bless others. Jesus talked about blessing with our lips. Jesus talked about being generous with the words that we say. From Luke's Gospel. To those of you who will listen, I say this. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Having problems at work, difficult colleague, situation you'd rather avoid, difficulties at home, a a family member who's kind of out of sync with the rest of the family, a distant relative who you all hope will remain distant. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Who can you speak words of encouragement to? Who can you bless? Who can you speak differently towards who everybody else in a way that is different to the way that everybody else uh, speaks to that person? Who can you pray for? Here's a challenging one. Who can you pray with? Practically, with our words, how about being generous with our time? We live stressed and stretched out lives. One of the most generous things we can do is offer to spend time with another. We've heard it so often. How do children spell love? T-I-M-E, time. One of the things I find most challenging and most attractive about the life of Jesus is is how he used his time. 
how he went about his ministry, and the contrast between that and how I go about my ministry, the things that that Jesus saw were important and the things that I get squeezed into uh, thinking are important for me. Jesus is in Jericho, a kind of foreign town, and he's walking through there. It's, it's not a good place for him to be. It's not a place that a, a Jewish rabbi is, is kind of likely to be made welcome. And he's hurrying down the street, and a crowd is starting to gather. And he sees a man up in the tree trying to get a view. And it's a man who's despised, a man who's rejected, a man who's hated by everybody else. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down. Today... I'm going to have dinner at your house. Would have been easier not to see him. Would have been more simple just to uh, move on, to pass on by. And the response? Salvation comes to Zacchaeus' house. And he is transformed. And that transformation is marked by generosity. If If there's anyone I've cheated, I'll pay them back four times, says Zacchaeus. Or think of Jesus on a mercy mission. A father comes to him and and begs him, Lord, you're a healer. Come to my house. My my daughter is ill. She's dying. She may be dead already. Come to my house. You can save her. And so Jesus rushes to the house and the the disciples are rushing on as well and they're fighting their way through the crowd. They've, they've, They've got to get there. They have to get there. And then Jesus stops. Somebody touch me. Somebody touched the the hem of my garment. I felt somebody touched my cloak. We can wait. Who is it? Step forward. And the woman with the issue of blood comes forward and and she's been healed just by reaching out to Jesus. And it's not enough for Jesus just to have her healed, but he needs to have her acknowledged. He needs to have her standing before him. He needs to declare that she is clean. Look at how Jesus uses his time. 5,000 people come and and they gather and he feeds them bread. And then he says to his disciples, his little few, now you come away with me. You come and pray with me. You spend time with me. It's not enough just for him to be successful and just uh, to have a crowd. But he invests his time in that group of 12 and the smaller group of three. Who can you be generous with in your time? Who can you make time for? For who would time with you make a real difference in their life? Practically, with our words, with our time. Fourthly, financially. Who can you be uh, generous with the, the resources that God has entrusted to you? Might be as simple as buying somebody a coffee. It could be that God prompts you to meet a significant need in the life of another. How can you give in a way that reflects God's love? In a way that leaves the other person not not feeling embarrassed, not feeling indebted towards you, but rather feeling blessed by your generosity. John McGinley was the speaker at our church weekend away, and this uh, sermon series is based upon his, uh, his book, uh, Mission Shaped Grace. It's what the home group leaders are working through. And we're, we're going through that not because particularly it's the only way of looking at this issue or because he's some kind of super guru, 
But rather, I think, because his teaching resonated um, uh, for, for us on our weekend away. His church is a similar church to ours in a similar setting to ours. So he kind of gets uh, where we're at. And he tells this story in his book of um, uh, just a little incident in his life of giving uh, financially. Um, he was in the supermarket and he was in the checkout queue and he was, he was buying a load of milk. And uh, the woman in front of him uh, was just taking ages to get through the checkout. And he was finding, feeling quite irritated. <clears throat> but then he was thinking, oh, I'm telling people to be generous, so I need to be generous in my heart towards her. And then the lady at the checkout, she adds up the till for the woman in front and uh, it comes to a certain amount. And then the, the lady in front uh, says, oh, I, I've not got enough money. I, I can't afford all that. Um, I'll have to put something back. And in a mixed kind of motive of, um, I want to be generous, I want to bless this woman, and also, I really can't cope if she's going to go and start putting stuff back. Uh, he says, look, let me, let me pay for that. I'll, 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 pay, for, I'll pay for that. I'll, I'll do it. And so he makes up the difference, and he pays for the, <clears throat> the woman's stuff. And he thinks, now I've got an opportunity to be a blessing to her. And she goes without saying a word of thanks. She just, she just goes out of the store, and, he, and he's like, oh, well, okay. I guess I did the right thing. And then the lady at the checkout says to him, oh, you're buying a lot of milk. Why, what are you doing that you need so much milk? And he says, oh, well, I'm, I'm the vicar of the church and uh, we've got a thing on this afternoon and I'm getting all the milk for all the teas and coffee. And she says, oh, that's why you paid for that lady's stuff. You're a Christian. That's why you were so generous. And he says, I guess so, yeah. And then in a moment of bravery, uh, he says to the lady at the till, I've just helped that lady out. Is there anything that I can do for you? And she says, well, actually there is. Would you pray for me that? And she tells him a need and he prays for her. Just, just, just paying a few pounds to help somebody top up uh, their shopping. Who is God calling you to help in a financial way? And finally, fifthly, hospitality. How can you be generous with your home? I think this is a real challenge for, for us in West Bridgeford. Uh, an open home is a sign of an open heart. I think this is difficult for us. An Englishman's home is his castle. And in West Bridgeford, we like good notice for when we need to put the drawbridge down. We like to know well in advance so we can get everything nice and neat and we can cook a really, really good meal. Uh, one of the things that really surprised me when I came to Bridgeford after living in the Philippines was the difference in this approach uh, to hospitality. Uh, we've been working and living in a community or amongst a community who are really, really poor, but really generous with their homes. You would go to somebody's house and they would invite you in and they would invite the neighbours in and there would instantly be, be a party. And, and you, would, you would just do the same thing back. It was just the way, uh, the way that people lived. And then we came to West Bridgeford and it's a really different culture here. People do invite you into their home but they need good notice and there's three courses and then there's coffee and then there's chocolate afterwards and you do that whole big uh, thing and you know that's great and goodness me I get more invitations than those things than, than you get so I'm very grateful uh, to those uh, but there's a different kind of generosity with our homes isn't there having homes that are open homes that we use to be a blessing to others who might you be able to open your home to 
Who could you invite around? Not just for a, for a meal or a kind of formal uh, welcome, but just informally. Five different ways we could uh, be a blessing to others. But that only takes us so far. There's an extra step. And that extra step is explaining why we're doing this. The reason behind this. We're called to be a blessing. We're called to do good works. We're called to be generous. And that's, that's great. But also, there's a way in which this can be a means through which we share our faith. And this is the difficult bit. And I think for many of us, this is the really uh, tricky bit. Generosity is a way that God has given us of opening hearts, opening minds, softening hearts. Being generous is an opportunity to share the love and the grace that we have found in Jesus. But, but how are we going to do that? I mean, really, how, how can we do that? Well, let me make it easier for you. Let me just give you one thing that you can do, one thing that you can say that will make it easier for you in those situations. Um, you can blame your vicar. Okay? You can blame me. You can, you can just put it all on me. I really don't mind. Let's say you spend some time with that person. Let's say you buy them a coffee. Let's say you drop round a gift. Let's say you help them out in a moment of crisis. And let's just say they say, do you know, this is fantastic. Thank you for doing this. Or perhaps they say, well, do you know what? People don't normally do this. Why have you, why have you done this? Here's your opportunity and this is what you say. You say, well, you know that I go to St. Giles. Well, our vicar there told us this. If God has made a difference in your life, you should be making a difference in other people's life. You can all do that. You can all say that. You don't need some special gift. You don't need a workshop. You don't need any training. You've done something for somebody. They say, thank you. Why have you done this? You say, our vicar said, if God has made a difference in your life, you should make a difference for somebody else. And then they might well ask you, well, what difference has he made in your life? And then you pray that God will give you the words. <laughs> I can't give you them this morning, I'm sorry. But Jesus said, I will give you my Holy Spirit and he will give you the words that you need when you need to talk about me so we can trust in him. Let's pray and uh, Christine is going to lead us in worship again. Lord, you have been so generous to us and we want to be generous in return. We want to be uh, generous with others. And Lord, we don't want to do this in a manipulative way. We do, this isn't a strategy. This is not a, a kind of technique that we can use to manipulate people. We, we just want to show others the love that we have found in you. And we pray that you give us opportunities to do that. And not just opportunity, but the words to say when, when people ask us why we're doing this. Lord, you have done so much for us. You've given us so much. And we want to give to others in return. So guide us and lead us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and Christine is going to lead us again. <laughs>